I want to share a few thoughts as we continue with um, our series of Habitat. Um, it is a um, it's a series that we started uh, first Sunday of this month. We are already to the end of January. This goodness, it's flying by. But a habitat, as we've been talking about it, is uh, just a place that is a natural environment for vibrancy and growth. So a spiritual habitat is that way that um, just what makes up those elements for us to experience vibrancy and growth. Salvation is not just this um, the result of a prayer that we pray and a ticket to heaven. Salvation is a life of vibrancy <clears throat> and growth. And so we want to, to surround ourselves with a habitat that is conducive <clears throat> to that growth. Um, before we get to what um, the, uh, for the acronym of growth, before we get to uh, the letter in that acronym that we're going to discuss today, I want to just pose this question. And so if you could belly up to your computer and uh, find your way over to the chat feature, um, in a word or a phrase, could you summarize uh, your answer to this question or to this statement? Because I bet we've all said something like this. Although that was one of the hardest things I had to go through, I wouldn't trade it for anything. In a word or a phrase, could you summarize what that was? Although that was one of the hardest things I had to go through, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Mm. Mm. Anxiety, depression, a broken relationship, fire, rebuild, yes. <laughs> a refining fire, Mary Beth, in so many ways. Um, just in general, our, our life sometimes. A move to China, childbirth. That's under James Lenahan, but I'm guessing that that's Christine. I'm just going to go out on a limb on that. Um, uh, Darrell, caring for mom in her last years. I know some of you are right in the middle of this. Um, college, raising small children and not sleeping. Yes. Moving away from home. Uh, health issues with, with children. Um, losing a business. Yeah, these are, um, I think we would say that these are, uh, Simply put, we wouldn't ask for these things to happen, but since we were almost kind of forced to go through them, uh, we wouldn't trade them for anything. Why? Well, because of the growth that comes from that, because uh, we come out of that by God's grace, we can come out of things like that stronger. We can come out of that more fully who God created us to be. Um, this acronym for growth, um, the G is grounded in God's nature, the R rooted in love, the O orchards of community, which is what we looked at last week. This week is winters of pruning. In other words, um, these are those seasons that we go through that we wouldn't maybe choose to go through, but looking back, we're like, you know, that was really hard, but I wouldn't change a thing. Um, I can just tell you that I wish that the W in growth was not winters of pruning. I wish the W was for winning the lottery. <laughs> that would be my choice. But I, uh, 
as I mull things over, um, I keep coming back to the unavoidable reality that sometimes our most difficult seasons lead to our most profound growth. So we've talked about the salvation and salvation being a life of vibrancy and growth. And I don't want us to think that this winter of, of pruning, this um, when we encounter these really difficult seasons, that we've stepped out of a life of vibrancy and growth. Actually, what I want us to see is that we can still experience the fullness of life even during the chilly, dark days of winter. As we've been saying, salvation is a life of vibrancy and growth, but it's not a problem-free life. Um, it's not an easy life, but it is even when we encounter the winters of pruning, even when we encounter those moments that we would love to squirm out from underneath, we can still experience fullness in that. So what does that fullness look like? Well, we'll get to that in just a minute, but I believe that winters of pruning are a necessary element in a healthy habitat. Now, I'm, I'm not an arborist, but I am aware that sometimes the best time for pruning is during the dormant season before new growth begins in the spring. And pruning, um, just so we're on the same page here, it doesn't have to do with what your fingers look like um, after taking a really long bath. Um, I'm talking about the, the pruning that takes place when um, there is a cutting away of dead or overgrown branches for the purpose of increasing fruitfulness and growth. Pruning stimulates growth. And where does that growth most typically occur, it occurs closest to the cut. Basically, what happens is pruning reduces the size of the above ground portion of a tree so that the below ground root system can service a smaller number of shoots and buds. Pruning optimizes the nutrients for the development of the tree. So in a, in a spiritual and real life sense, <clears throat> difficult seasons tend to prune to cut away or to strip away the things that draw nutrients away from what most needs our attention and growth at the time. So I've got great news for you, and that is that God is fully committed to your growth and health. And I've got really tough news for you, and that is God is fully committed to your growth and health. <laughs> um, in other words, he's, he's not gonna waste an opportunity for us to grow and mature which includes these tough winter seasons uh, where we feel like life is getting trimmed away more than added to. What I want us to do is return to a, bibl a biblical account that we read about last week. There were two disciples on the Emmaus Road. It was a Sunday. Uh, they were walking away from the place where Christ was crucified and died on the Friday before. And here they are, very bravely and with gut-level honesty, speaking to a stranger in their midst. They voice, we had hoped that, the, that Jesus was the promised Messiah. In other words, their dreams had died. They were not aware that that very morning, Jesus had resurrected. Jesus was resurrected, and it was Jesus right there in their midst. Um, but there it was, I, I don't, I don't think there was snow on that road to Emmaus 
But for those two disciples, it felt like winter. That stranger in their midst, of course, was Jesus, and he was the promised Messiah. But more than simply not recognizing Jesus walking with them, they were blind due to the misinformed dreams and hopes for the Messiah. They were blind to who Jesus actually was because of who they really wanted Jesus to be. And so I wonder if maybe those disciples, if they were on our Zoom call right now, uh, if they had used the chat feature <clears throat> to talk about a really dark season, a wintry season, but if they had to do it over, um, they wouldn't change a thing. I wonder if they would write something like this. You know, I, I put God in a box. Uh, I was trying to tell God what type of savior I thought he should be. It was a really dark time but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Winter is a season often associated as a metaphor for death. We talk about the dead of winter. I've never heard anyone talk about the dead of summer, uh, the dead of spring, uh, but the world seems suspended in cold and darkness with little to no fruit to show in a typical win winter. And when we are in the midst of an unexplainably long winter season, metaphorically speaking, it's, it's good to remember why growth is good. Why grow? Again, because life isn't getting any easier. Why grow? Because life is not always spring, new growth. It's not always summer of bearing fruit. It's not always a harvest of that fruit. Why grow? Because life isn't getting any easier. We train to get stronger. We want to grow stronger because the mountains don't get smaller. We want to grow because even in winters of pruning, we can experience the fullness of salvation in a spiritual habitat. Now, in Luke 24, from last week, two disciples on the Emmaus Road we pick it up in verse 26, and Jesus is responding to them saying, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. I mentioned this this last week, Jesus helped um, with what, we're, what we are associating with the G of growth. He helped ground them in God's story. He helps them understand that they had been living according to a false narrative. In particular, they had bought into a narrative that believed that if it is of God, if it's truly good and from God, then there will be no suffering. There will be no death. But the true narrative of God is that God brings dead things to life. Death precedes resurrection to, do, to new life. Winter precedes the spring of new growth. The true narrative of God is that even suffering can be something that God uses to work out things to the good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So our growth is first and foremost, it's, it's grounded in God's story. It's grounded in God's true, unchanging nature. And it's often during the winter seasons of doubt and fear that we begin to question God's goodness. That's why it's, it's great 
that the Holmes family led us in singing those songs because maybe it's in this last week that we began to question, is God, is God good with what's been going on in my life recently? And we come together and we are reminded God is good. Um, talking about this subject with Jonathan and Jane this past week, uh, Jane shared something that was written by Melissa Helser, and she is a worship singer, songwriter. And Melissa used the analogy of the barrenness of winter. And this was the line and what Jane read uh, that Melissa wrote that caught my attention. If you know his nature, you will understand his motives. If you know his nature, you will understand his motives. That's worth writing down. Uh, if you want to jot that down somewhere, I just put that, put that in the chat feature. But if you know his nature, you will understand his motives. When we grow to know his nature, we understand his motives are good when we are faced with trials of many kinds. The more I thought about um, that line by Melissa Helser, I, I kind of had to paraphrase it a little bit. If you know his nature, you will trust his motives. And I, I rephrased it like that just to be honest and say, I don't, I don't understand his motives well enough to explain them, but I can trust his motives. And what is his motive? My growth and maturity. James 1, 2 through 4. Again, I'm going to put this in the chat feature. Um, if you're following along, you got a Bible there or a Bible app. Great. If not, you can read it here in the chat. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must, must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. When I first hired a personal trainer back in my 20s, and you may remember a long time ago, um, a while back, I, I shared a story of how I was training for a, a bodybuilding contest, and uh, I'm now the proud owner of a uh, female bodybuilding trophy. Long story. But uh, when I first hired a personal trainer back in my 20s, that was the first time I learned what good pain felt like. And that pain, though, didn't cause me to pull back from going to the gym and spending hours each week with my trainer. Why? Because I knew my trainer's motive, my growth and strength and health. Now, I mentioned that um, fullness can be experienced in this winter season. So it's not just, okay, if I can survive this winter season, then I will be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I want us to understand that there is fullness in the middle of winter as well. And because of that, our goal is not to move quickly through the difficult seasons. Um, God's the one who turns the pages on the calendar, not you, not me. So our reaction must not be to seek out a warmer spot to vacation in the middle of a winter. Our aim should not be to experience um, our, ex just to kind of hold out and say, well, I'll experience fullness in the next season. Um, it's for here and now. So what is what are we talking about with this fullness? Um, I believe that fullness in this instance encompasses meeting with God 
as we recognize his presence here and now. It's a way to live in this moment without living for this moment. It's, it is relishing the present without glancing back with regret or refusing, um, holding ourselves back from racing ahead to tomorrow. Fullness is experienced when we make the most of everything that this season has to offer, even in the winter. Um, a very wise old man by the name of Solomon says this in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 4, there is a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. In other words, in every season, there's an appropriate time that will lead us to the fullness of God's presence within that season. And I would just add as a side note, if, if you find yourself in the winter, in the pruning seasons of life right now, seek out an old mature person. Um, emphasis on mature. Um, there is so much for us to learn from those from those people in particular who have lived through several winters, who could write several things in the chat feature. You know, it was a really difficult time, but I'm glad I, I went through it. I wouldn't change a thing. In the barrenness of winter, there is what I want us to see. And when we live in the fullness of it, there will be a time to weep and mourn. But there is also within that times to laugh and to dance. And wisely discerning when to weep and when to laugh is a part of the fullness of winter. It's drawing close enough to the creator that you feel the freedom at the appropriate time to weep or to laugh, to mourn, to dance. Um, living in the fullness of God's presence in winter does include weeping because God feels so far away. And yet giving myself permission to laugh because I know God has not forgotten me. Um, so I was reflecting on this. I, I began to think back to the memorial services that I've attended. You've attended a memorial service like this, I'm sure. There, there was weeping, no doubt. But then someone gets up and shares fun stories about that person that make you laugh, that kind of breaks the ice in the middle of that memorial service. You weep because you know that person feels so far away, but there's joy because they are not forgotten. And I think that's a gift to us in the winter. God may feel so far away, but he has not forgotten us. And his gift to us is the ability to remember, to remember that he is good to remember that he longs for us. The Emmaus Road disciples were not the only ones who misunderstood God's narrative, the story that God was author, authoring. Um, there were other disciples. In Matthew 16, verse 21, um, the, we read this, that from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So he's been talking about this. He's been talking about there is a winter season coming, but he also pairs it with um, he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Um, 
I'm going to put this, this quote by Richard Rohr in the chat for you. So I've been kind of clinging to this myself. Resurrection is when one moment reveals the meaning of all moments. Resurrection is when one moment reveals the meaning of all moments. Such a powerful statement. It implies, of course, that a death has occurred. Just like spring acknowledges, hey, we survived another winter. And spring helps interpret the meaning of those wintry moments. Continuing on this passage um, in Matthew, after Jesus describes what he needs to go through, Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Ouch. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. In other words, Peter was speaking from a false narrative, or put another way, an incomplete narrative. Peter had difficulty comprehending that a successful story included suffering and death. Why was this hard for Peter to accept? Well, it, because he had not yet believed in the full story, which culminated in the resurrection. The resurrection would give meaning to those impending moments of suffering and death. Resurrection is when one moment reveals the meaning of all moments. So part of our growth is accepting that we are invited to live that same story Jesus lived. The storyline of Jesus is our storyline. And just as Jesus encountered the suffering of pruning, so do we. Colossians 3, um, if you're in a growth group from Wednesday, you're going to be in one tomorrow. This is going to be a verse that you're going to get familiar with, beginning in verse 2. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So in other words, it's kind of it's kind of like um, to use our analogy of narratives. It's like, make sure you pay really close attention to the heavenly narrative. Verse 3, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. In other words, we die to old ways of thinking and living, but the story does not end with the death of winter. Verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We die, but we are also resurrected. We are raised to a new way of thinking and living. So this death and resurrection um, does not happen, though, without our consent. We have a role to play in this. Just because we go through a hard time doesn't necessarily mean that we will grow. It requires surrender. It requires a yieldedness to us on, on our part to the pruning process. Um, now, I'm not saying that you do the pruning yourself. A tree does not grab trimmers or a saw and prune itself, but a tree yields to the pruning. Our role in a winter of pruning always includes surrender. The importance of knowing God's narrative is a key to surrender. We can trust the winter when we know his nature. The deep conviction that God is good and loving. 
Now, I, I tend to ask a lot of why questions when I'm in the process of being pruned. When I'm in a long winter, um, I, I mutter a, a rather whiny, why? And I, su I suppose knowing why I must suffer or know why bad things might happen to good people is honestly, it's, 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 it's a little more than hoping that knowledge will give me a false sense of control. If I can just understand why, then I'll make it. But, but to be honest, I don't want to just understand why. I don't want to just know the answer. I want out of the situation entirely. But I'm in that situation. So what do I do? My spiritual director, I was talking to my spiritual director uh, this past Monday, and he said something to me that was a, just a real timely word. He said, it's always good to bring what's real about us to God. And I, I found that so freeing. Um, it's always good to bring what's real about us to God. And I think this is especially true when we find ourselves in the chilly darkness of a wintry season. When we find ourselves being purged and life is getting stripped away, we can bring those realities to God in prayer. The Emmaus disciples described their reality in this way. We had hoped. We had hoped that we would never encounter winter again. We had hoped to never experience the pruning of loss and separation. And the purpose of voicing your most difficult realities to God is, is not to figure out how to shorten the winter season. Winters are not for fixing or excusing or overcoming. <clears throat> Let me say that again. Winters are not for fixing or excusing or overcoming. If you're like me, that's, that's probably your first response, what you want to do. Um, winters are not either for judging as positive or negative. So what might your winter of pruning be for? I don't know. Only God knows. And that's why it's important to bring the reality of our winter to him, to the one who does know. And as Richard Rohr said, you don't know the meaning of the moment until the resurrection. You might not know the meaning of the winter until the spring of new growth or much later in the autumn harvest of good works. But for right now, in this winter, sit with God. Take that reality into his presence. One of my favorite activities with my daughter is going on a car drive. And they're usually in the evening and often, not always, but, but often we go on a car ride when it's been an especially rough day. And we don't go very far. It's usually in and around Novato. But it kind of it gets set up something like this. I'm sitting in the living room, for example, and uh, she's in her bedroom and she'll send a two word text from her bedroom. And don't judge me. Because if you have kids, you know that you don't get up and go down the hallway to ask how they're doing. You just send them a text. So there we go. But anyway, say I'm sitting in the living room. She's in her bedroom. She'll send a two-word text. Car drive? And I say, sure. And one, while we're on our car drive in and around Novato, sometimes we talk about the day. And sometimes it's pretty quiet. 
But what takes place every time is that we sit with each other. We sit with one another there in the front seat. Presence. Sitting together. In, in just a second, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cue Lucas to start playing um, just a, a, a brief instrumental. It'll last about two minutes. And here's how I want you, before he starts playing, let me kind of set this up. Um, I want to give you permission to acknowledge and feel the reality of your winter and to take the, te the next couple of minutes um, to take that reality into God's presence. Imagine initiating this prayer time with God with a two-word text. Car drive? God, I'm, I'm here with you. I'm not covering or denying. I'm not hiding. I'm not asking you to fix stuff. God, I'm just simply here with you as we drive together through this winter. And so to guide you towards living in a winter of pruning, um, if you don't know what else to say in these next couple of minutes, um, I'll put this in the chat feature. You could make something like this your prayer. God, sit with me in my winter. Sit with me in my disappointment, my questions, my pain, whatever it is for you. Lucas, go ahead and, and begin. And if you want to, um, if you want to turn your, your video off, um, but whatever it takes, just for you to kind of focus for these two minutes, invite God into that moment, enter into this time with your winter, with the reality of what you're going through, and enjoy this two-minute car drive with God. <laughs> 